Gumbo listeners, this episode is brought to you in part by... For decades, it's been impossible to fully implement best practice cybersecurity access management recommendations. But now, Mamori's all-in-one solution makes it possible. 2FA, ZTNA, Privileged Access Management, Database Activity Monitoring, DBPAM, Workflow, AI, and more. Try the future of cybersecurity. Try Mamori.io. M-A-M-O-R-I.io. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. I am super excited to bring another episode to you today. And I am so fortunate to have a conversation with Paul Valente, who is the co-founder and CEO of Viso Trust. And Viso Trust is a third-party cyber risk management SaaS platform that enables any company to access actionable vendor security information in minutes. And Paul is also a former CISO at ASAP Lending Club and Restoration Hardware. And also Paul's programs have been vetted by hundreds of Fortune 1000 companies and his teams have vetted thousands of third parties. So really looking forward to hearing your perspective, Paul, and I'm sure that the listeners are as well. So welcome to the gumbo. Thank you, Demetrius. I'm really, really delighted to be here. Big fan of the show and excited for the chance to uh, to share some perspective with your audience. Awesome. Let's come out the gate just giving a little more information about Viso Trust so the audience can understand your company and what you guys do. Yeah. So, Demetrius, as you mentioned in my profile, I've spent a lot of time leading security teams uh, at, at companies tech companies, retail companies, financial services companies, but universally at companies that needed to grow quickly. And in our our climate over the last 20 years of digital transformation needed to onboard vendors quickly. And I ran into significant issues with data quality and with scalability with regard to that process. And that uh, that experience really led my co-founder and I to build Visotrust. And Visotrust takes a unique AI-based approach that's focused on artifacts of the security program that already exist to vet third parties in minutes and allow companies, you know, for the first time to get complete visibility into their third-party population and take control of their third-party risk. Okay, so so we're talking third-party. So just to make sure we we are clear on what a third-party is, and I know I have a very smart audience, but can you maybe define what can be considered as third-party? Yeah, yeah, great question, Demetrius. So today, you know, companies are approaching 100% of their technology footprint being owned by third parties, right? And that's typically vendor relationships. That's the most common third-party use case that we address. However, there's lots of other use cases where there may, or may be sensitive data being shared or reputational risk being shared. And so uh, some of the companies that we serve use us to vet their customers, their partners, sometimes M&A prospects uh, or subsidiary companies, and sometimes for investment firms, it could be portfolio companies. So really any company that you're doing business with that could impact your reputation, your operations, or the confidentiality of your data. 
so basically impacting some of those things that are most important to us as individuals and also companies as well. So the data, all of the private information, and I'm sure you go across different verticals as well. If it's financial services, if it's healthcare, just depending on, you know, where those particular industries land, that they have their own specific uh, criteria for making sure that that data is is secure and also is protected just from a compliance and governance perspective. And Paul, I know you have tons and tons of conversations with other C-level executives like CIOs, CTOs, and even CISOs, as you once were uh, as well. What, what are some of the conversations that you are having today? And in particular, this year alone, is there a theme that you're seeing with the conversations that you're having with these C-level executives? There really is. There really is. And as you mentioned, we talk with a, a variety of different executives. And when I, when I talk with CISOs, it's really don't be caught with your pants down. Be prepared. Understand your third-party population. You know, probably every day I meet with somebody from an organization where I ask if they have a complete view of all the organizations that they're sharing sensitive data with. And the answer is almost always no, unfortunately, right? Today, companies are relying on so many third parties to do business, and they need to onboard new solutions so quickly that the security team doesn't always have uh, that awareness, right? And it may be because of uh, the processes for assessing vendors have historically been so arcane and reliant on, on manual activities and highly subjective activities like questionnaires and surveys that uh, that they just have a lot of gaps um, in their visibility. And so, yeah, so a big theme is be prepared, you know, understand that in today's day and age, you're expected to know where your data is and who your third parties are. And you're expected to treat that data as if it was your own that's been entrusted to you, regardless of whether you've, you know, needed to pass it to third parties to get things done. And then from the CIO, CTO perspective, it's really about controlling risk while accelerating business. They're on the hook for making sure that, you know, new solutions and new approaches and new technologies come to bear and come to fruition quickly. And for them, you know, routinely, even when the security team you know, reports in to the technology organization, oftentimes they're just not able to keep up, you know, with that level of, of velocity and can slow down business. That has a lot of downstream impacts, but I think the opportunity for, for CIOs is around automation and they are focused on, you know, how can we control risk while accelerating business, right? And, uh, and so that's, that's what a lot of the conversations we're having are around. Okay. And you mentioned security teams quite, quite a bit, right? So how are those conversations going? Like, I know that the C-level executives, those are different, different conversations because they, they care about different things, but the security team, they're the ones that are down in the trenches. And you mentioned questionnaires and I've, I've seen some of those things before. Sometimes they're in spreadsheets, sometimes they're in docs. And I mean, you're talking hundreds of questions and they're all asking all different types of questions. And I think I even ran across a company that automated, I think it was a SaaS based tool that you can populate your security questionnaire in and kind of 
run AI in the background to help beautify it or something. I don't know, but I but I, I think I saw something like that though. But I, I I digress, right? What are you what are you hearing from the security team? Are they excited about the third party angle or is it really something that they are losing sleep over? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a great question. Historically, CISOs and their security teams and who they hire have been routinely focused on operational responsibilities within the company, right? Things like incident response, application security, endpoint security, et cetera, all as internal operational functions. And today we see the responsibility shifting from from those internal operational responsibilities to how do we replicate all these capabilities across hundreds, in some cases, thousands of third-party relationships. And it's really a very difficult transition and transformation. And companies, by and large, are still stuck in the Stone Age, right? There's really three kind of overall approaches out there, GRC tools and spreadsheets, which are kind of one single kind of questionnaire-oriented process, right? Um, Then there is security ratings tools, uh, which are typically OSINT-powered. And then the last one is risk exchanges. Each of them have certain kind of attractions, like GRC tools are when folks say, okay, we're asking lots of questionnaires, we need to get these into one central place. Well, what they find when they do that is that it can take lots of expert resources, months to set up. And then in today's day and age, more than 50% of your vendors may not be willing to fill out questionnaires, right? So right off the get-go, you've made an enormous investment. You need a large team to be able to even do this in the first place. And then, wait, now you've only got 40% of the information that you need. And, and that's setting aside the problems with questionnaires. We can, we can delve more into that if necessary, but, uh, but big operational issues, right? Then the, sometimes they think the answer to that is the ratings tools. I can pull a report on any company that has a, has a website. Every company has a website. But wait, what the security community has said there is that these things are highly irrelevant, often inaccurate, right? They're not related to the products or services that you're going to get. And they really just don't have the depth of information to make a good decision, right? Um, And then the last one, the exchanges, which just haven't had the adoption to ever deliver their benefit, right? Most companies don't want to get get on them. Again, it's another long questionnaire-oriented process. And so so the core issues that security teams face are how do I get good data on third parties? And then how do I do that at scale across a large number of third parties? And, you know, let's not fail to recognize the pressure that they're under, right? Ultimately, they're producing these for business owners that need to move forward with their initiatives, right? So there's enormous pressure to do them quickly and pressure for them to come out with good results, right? And, and if your vendors are not responding or they're giving you, you know, answers that don't make sense, uh, as a security professional, typically a, a, a GRC analyst, it's very, very difficult. You're, in, you're between a rock and a hard place. And, and so, you know, we hear that across the boards. It's only gotten worse over the past 20 years, and it's ripe for disruption. And we're, we're delighted to be able to be solving that problem for our customers by making it scalable and providing actionable data based solely on artifacts rather than questionnaires. Okay, and you threw around GRC maybe six or seven times. Is that governance, risk, and compliance? or You got it. What is that? Yeah, governance, okay. risk, and compliance. And in many organizations, it reports within the security organization, sometimes in, in uh, larger, more mature companies or particularly highly regulated companies that might be outside under a a ERM function or under a chief risk officer. 
But it's essentially those folks that are responsible for setting up security policies and standards, perhaps privacy policies and standards, perhaps data governance policies and standards, and then and then monitoring in the organization that those are being followed. I've, I've started seeing a CDO, Chief Data Officer. Are you also running across that persona at all? And is that is that someone that may be the first person to talk to before you go to the CISO? Or how does that, what's the chain of command there? I'm not quite sure what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's definitely kind of an emerging um, position at highly technical or highly data-centric um, organizations, companies that deal with lots of data. I think it's primarily emerged out of the need for usable data across companies and accessible data needing you know business intelligence at your fingertips companies needing to be data driven but it's also because of the you know privacy and compliance environment that that we live in with regulations like CCPA and GDPR and HIPAA it's uh, in many organizations that are developed enough to have a CDO they they also perhaps have those responsibilities wrapped in as well where they're really also looking at data sharing and data privacy and data sovereignty and the appropriate use of data. And so we do interact with that persona typically around the, the data security or data privacy angle. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And I, I know, once again, you, you are having mult, a multitude of conversations as well. And I, I want to get your perspective on the top cybersecurity and third-party risk trends that you're seeing. And I know ransomware was just something that everyone is talking about, and it's kind of wreaked havoc on everybody from hospitals to your mobile device, right? It just depends if if you're not educated or you're not paying attention, right? Because they almost got me one day. Oh, a package delivered, click here. It's, I mean, and I was expecting a package. So, you know, it's just, um, you know, all these different ways and phishing attempts, et cetera. But I'm, I'm curious to hear... You know, what are you seeing as, as some of the top trends right now, especially as it pertains to third-party risk? Yeah, so we continue to see lots of ransomware. It continues to be on the rise. It's also somewhat broadened in definition, I think, as well, uh, as to not only a data that has, you know, been encrypted for ransom to be decrypted, but, but also, you know, being stolen with threat of disclosure or ransom, right? So we've seen that, that, uh, that definition broaden and uh, and see that use case or that the negative version of a use case, whatever that is, the threat case happen uh, happen certainly more frequently, and we're seeing that happening a lot on uh, unfortunately on third party infrastructure, third party owned infrastructure, right? And so it's really a, an important driver for folks to know their third parties that much better, know the data that they're sharing with those third parties, and especially know the control posture of those third parties. I think. There's a huge emphasis, you know, required on the tools and techniques that it takes to uh, detect and thwart where possible and manage uh, ransomware when it occurs, which, you know, remains to be, you know, making sure that your um, endpoint detection and response is, is well covered by people as well as technology and that you can act very quickly. I think uh, also that your public-facing uh, web infrastructure uh, is well secured as well, and ultimately, as 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 I think you know, as much if not better than anybody else, that your data protection strategy is in place, uh, and that your DR, you know, is uh, is is really up to the up to the second to be able to recover completely without having to 
uh, make costly purchases to criminals. And so, you know, for us, that means that companies need to be able to do this across all the third parties that they need to, which means that they need that overall awareness of, of, uh, of knowing inherent risk on all their third parties, knowing who they're sharing data with, and then being able to, with minimal effort, be able to assess those large numbers of third parties with regard to these controls. And, and so, you know, we see that as a huge focus. Uh, we see also as trends for 2023 that really turning a blind eye is unacceptable. There's so many third-party breaches happening now. And, you know, there was a point when, when CISOs would say kind of like, oh, you know, the CIO, the CTO, some other business owner, the marketing folks, they've bought those technologies and they're doing what they're doing and it's not my problem, right? And you just can't, you can't do that anymore, right? You also can't just check the box. There's lots of companies that have said, okay, we can't scale this process. So, uh, you know, we're going to send each company, you know, 10 questions or something like that. And we're just going to check a box if we get them back. Or we're going to, we're going to say, do you have a SOC 2 or not? And we're going to just check the box. And so check the box. That's not acceptable anymore either. So I think that's another big trend. And part of that is driven by regulations. And part of it's driven by awareness of board members, right? At this point, your board's going to ask you, you know, hey, I heard about the Okta breach. You know, are, are we using Okta? And not only that, but are our vendors, are our third parties using Okta? Have we been impacted, right? And, and uh, the CISO, uh, the security leadership um, often CTO, CIO need to be able to answer those questions quickly and thoroughly. And, and, uh, and that's something for most companies that, that it's a very difficult proposition today. Yeah, so we're, we're going to see a lot more of those trends. Also, we're going to see more companies rejecting questionnaires and OSINT scans, right? It, it's already risen to above 60% of companies rejecting these. And, and it means you've, you've got you've to innovate and use new ways to, uh, to assess third parties. Yeah, but OSINT means open source intelligence, typically uh, using open source tools and public data to uh, to try and assess a company's uh, security posture is, is what it means in this context. And, and it's something that because of the scalability issues with due diligence, with actually trying to get an internal understanding of a company's security program, a lot of companies have turned to, to open source intelligence, uh, unfortunately, with, with really poor results. Uh, while it scales, it just has turned out to be no substitute for due diligence and doesn't give you the quality of information needed to make good decisions. Yeah. So o- open source, when I think open source, <laughs> depends on what the scale is, right? No support for the most part. And maybe there's a large community that's you know supplying information in detail and maybe sending updates to that specific uh, piece of software or whatever, but you have to purchase, right, the enterprise-grade version of it in, in order to really kind of get that support that you need. And I'm, I'm really surprised to hear that the security industry, that they are utilizing these third, well, not third-party, but these open-source technologies. And I, I don't know, maybe I just don't understand why a security team or someone would use a, an open-source scanner, and maybe because it's free. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of them are wrapped up in in products now. You know that you can um, that that okay. you can buy, mm-hmm. but that actually has not resulted in in more actionable or accurate data. In fact, uh, uh, in fact, what a lot of security teams complain is that it's resulted in less transparency. But if you are in a position where you want to research a company and you have a you have a lot of time on your hands, um, you know, like think. 
think intelligence organizations run by, you know, run by the state, right, where they can kind of dump infinite resources into, into research, right? You can sift through everything you could find publicly about a company, and, and you can perhaps find some interesting, interesting vectors eventually that you could combine with others and, and make some use of. Um, that really doesn't lend itself to a quick scan and saying, how mature is this company from a security standpoint? It really, it really doesn't give you that at all. And so, so it's been an interesting attempt, you know, for sure, to kind of package up those those open source processes and and put a rating on a company, but it really hasn't borne fruit in terms of uh, understanding the maturity of a company. And to give you a little bit more um, detail on that, you know, I may I we you know we talked about Okta for instance. If I was doing open source intelligence on Okta, it, uh, it on a very lightweight way, it might go to Okta.com and tell me like the the version of the encryption or the cipher SSL or something on that on that website right and uh, unfortunately though the octa.com you know website is a it's a it's a marketing website right it's not connected to or related to their infrastructure or their offering which is a platform as a service right um and so it's really just not very relevant you know i had an experience once where we were trying one of these tools uh, when I was uh, leading security at a at a large financial services firm, and we got uh, a flag that said that one of our vendors had uh, an endpoint compromise. There was command and control traffic. It meant that hackers had taken control of of you know their endpoint or multiple ones. And so we took that very seriously. We put um, you know expensive engineering resources on investigating and contacting them. It was a lot of work to contact them to contact the right people there. You know, spent a lot of time and resources on our side as well as their side. And when we finally got through to informed individuals, they informed us that it was something called a honeypot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and that it had been intentionally compromised. And mm-hmm. as you can imagine, that was both embarrassing and wasteful in resources for us. What we what we in fact learned was not only did they not have bad security and they were not compromised, but that they had a very advanced security program that uh, you know probably more advanced than most of our vendors and perhaps frankly more advanced than our security program so uh so not a useful <laughs> useful way to spend our expensive resources and an unfortunate goose chase yeah yeah that, that that's a lot of good information and yeah i recently became i guess in the know of what a honeypot is and you know it, it, i like to keep keep things simple it's you know kind of a a sweet place to lead people to in order to um, just try to trap them, right? Like it's strategically set up in order to attract bees or hackers or whoever to that location so you can can see what they're they're up to, how how they're maneuvering around. I mean, so you're you're running reconnaissance uh, on them, so to speak, which is is kind of brilliant. Exactly. So uh, yeah, yeah I, I truly appreciate the information that you've provided thus far. And maybe one other question before I let you go. And it's not a technical question. It's not about the podcast. It's only about what's on your nightstand. What are you reading these days? Yeah, that's a, um, so. I am. I'm also a guitarist. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, and so that's on my that's on my reading stand. I always like to read National Geographic as well. I'm always interested in science and technology, um, as well as uh, as humanities. But um, but yeah, that's that happens to be what's on my reading stand right now. Okay. And um, uh, yeah, how about you? 
Uh, me, let's see, some podcasting books, you know, how to, how to be better, how to be a better podcaster, uh, and also how to do online classes. So really trying to expand, you know, what I'm doing. Not, not that I, I need to do anything else because I, I run the podcast, uh, as well as, you know, full-time position in, in the data protection industry, but it's a passion for me. And so you make time for, for your passion and, and your hobbies. Uh, so just like the guitars, I'm sure you find time to play. I do. Yeah. And learn about them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, it's always great to have something that feeds you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And how can the Gumbo listeners reach out to you? Is that just on, on LinkedIn or any any final information or details you want to provide? Yeah, certainly reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, Paul at Viso Trust is, uh, is my email. Feel free to reach out. We're, we're happy to, uh, to engage in conversations and, and see how we can help you take control of your third-party risk. And before I let you go, just to let the Gumbo listeners know that we do have a LinkedIn backup and recovery professionals group and there are 25,000 plus members in the backup and recovery and data protection and security industry that are a part of the group so please join so you can network with your peers and also just uh, wanted to thank everyone for listening to the show and you know back up often and make sure that your data is secure so Paul, thank you for being a guest on Data Protection Gumbo. Thank you for having me, Demetrius, and thanks everybody for listening.